Please note, in this episode there is a reference to sexual assault. Please see show notes for helpful links. Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Joanne Thompson, thanks so much for being on The Bra and the Brave. Hello, thank you for having me. Oh, that was such a lovely sound bite. Your voice sounds amazing. I hate my voice. What? Oh, uh, no. Oh, I don't like it at all. Even just when you were like testing that there, I was like, oh, no. It sounds, to me, I mean, everybody hates their own voice. Is it called? That's pretty common, isn't it? True story. Uh, no one more than me, I think, hates my own voice. I'm like, why did you start a I podcast? I love your it's voice. Like, I was listening to the other podcast and I was like, I love your voice. Well, I'm nothing but enthusiastic, you know, Jim, yeah. but uh, no, I'm totally delighted that you're here and I have so many questions and so many things that I want to talk about, um, but I was obviously doing my research, as you do, oh, and uh, I pure love, I pure love your website, and I love oh. the chat on your website, <laughs> you're like, it just gave me like an insight into you, because we've never met, so I don't, I don't yeah. know you, I've listened to you on a podcast, I've seen you on the telly, <laughs> but I was like... I just got a sense of you, so I'm actually going to quote you. If, oh I mean, my. I'm, I'm assuming you wrote this. So it was like Joanne Thompson, actor, writer, director. And you wrote, more importantly, I'm a person. And I was like, yes, that's very important. That's like top of the list. Mm-hmm. And then you write, the season finale of the world is bloody awful. And I'm looking for and working on some kick-ass projects that can change things. Yes. Yeah. We write it, Dawn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and that. you know I put that I mean I made that website years ago but um it's not changed <laughs> in terms of like the season finale I'm like things are gonna get better right no it's just I mean it's not progressively getting what well it definitely is getting worse I mean the world is on fire it's a lot of it's a lot of fun but um yeah I guess probably anger <laughs> feels me a lot feels me and my pals a lot probably um it's not it's more it's less anger than frustration just a frustration and injustice and things and it really does like <laughs> does tend to get in the way of your your art or well now I never used to call myself an artist but now I'm trying to like now, now I feel more yeah. like one now I've started like more creative writing and things but um yeah, so it's been quite cathartic to kind of turn turn the things I'm angry about into something that I've got a bit of control over, which is like the first time um, I've, I've I've done that. Um, but yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, no, I think anger, frustration are all definitely valid emotions and channeling them into something creative that you know that you're passionate about and the subject matter that you're passionate mm. about is is so much of a positive and yet you wear that badge artist with pride like because the skill set that you have like just knowing what I know I mean I'm I know I'm like I've literally touched the surface in terms of like what I've read about you and what I know about you but um yeah I think that's such a positive thing like I don't think that's I don't think we should be 
uh, apologising for being frustrated and being angry about yeah. things in the world and, and using art to express our feelings and also to make change, like you say in that statement, is like so important. Like, was that not what art's for? To yeah, completely. speak about things yeah. that are important. And I think that's what... Um, and I think that's why generally we as as creatives tend to lean a certain way politically and things because the whole point in art is to look at like another perspective and be able to look at another perspective and and show another perspective of the world so it just seems that like it's such a given that I don't know our politics and our you know thought process processes and things would align with that I suppose um as opposed to being selfish <laughs> it's not yeah. I'm like it's so easy but I know it's not easy but um yeah I think we've got like a lot of there's a lot of like kindred spirits and who we spend our time with and uh so I don't know but sometimes that can make it a bit of an echo chamber and oh oh no I've I've, I've delved into <laughs> I don't know how to talk. I don't really know how to talk about this stuff, but it's just like um, you know, there's there's certain elements of of the things that make me angry that I feel like I can speak about and and can, um, but when you kind of look at the whole thing as as a as the big problem, it just seems completely impossible to climb. <laughs> and but this I is when I start singing. <laughs> Please do. Please do. <laughs> many many talents that you possess, I'm sure. Um, but it is it not important to be doing your bit for want of a better phrase or speaking your truth than just going, well, the, the problem's too big, so I'll just sit back. Yeah, totally. Com- completely. You know, I, I really agree. admire people like yourself, like that are putting their stamp in the world and saying what they want to say in the way that they want to say it. And um, I think it's like just the world being open to to like your mind being changed in a positive way, obviously. Yeah, Do you know totally. what I mean? And having like the capacity, I've got a really bad habit of like, um, uh, you know, people say, oh, you know, people like, you just can't change your minds. And I'm like, oh, hold my beer. I'm like, just because I'm just, I think that's part of the problem is that we're not actually meeting each other in the middle. And oh, I don't know, like I have, I I have, I, yeah, I love talking to people on the internet which has definitely got me in trouble before but I'm like no let me just like meet you in the middle and I'll put a smiley face at the end of everything I'm saying and I will lull you into (laughs) a security and then we will find some common ground because there is always always common ground to to be fine it's like you know they're frustrated at the like the other side of wherever you lie they're frustrated at their own things because of their experiences in the world that shouldn't be completely disregarded either do you know what I mean it's like so yeah I don't know but I think that's the power of art like even breaking it down to like simple as you know when I go into school and there's young people there and they're like oh she does dancing I'm not into dancing you mm-hmm. know but you know the minute that you find commonality with like oh you're at oh like I don't know they're wearing a hoodie with something on it and you're like oh I've watched that or I know mm-hmm. who they are or mm-hmm. oh do you like so this or do you like that game or whatever like the minute you you find a commonality yeah. it's like it's a wee bit of a gateway into like right so I'm here to do dance and I know it's not really your thing but like, like you know we're going to need to do it we've got an hour and yeah, that's totally. what I'm here to do so we'll yeah. get a bash and then not to say that they're going to fall in love with dance and they're going to want to do dance mm-hmm. as a career yeah. at the end of the hour, but it's just that, and I think that's the power of the arts, but also a power of like just finding connection with yeah. humans and obviously 
the arts do that completely in a beautiful way. So, was your motivation from the get go, and I mean, you know, pursuing a career in the arts? We'll see that umbrella term. What's your motivation to tell stories and to um, speak about the things that you're passionate about? Or has that have you arrived at that through some other passion just for performing? Um, so it's so weird. I'd only I'd only say that I have thought of what I do as storytelling in the last two years, which is madness because obviously acting I've been acting for twelve years, like and and you know, I was um you know, I I went to did like dance classes when I was younger and musical theatre classes and stuff so I, I was always like around it I mean my parents my parents have absolutely no connection to the arts whatsoever um at oh, all yeah. and I you know I grew up in well I'd say a working class background but it was really a benefits class background like my um my mum and my dad and my gran unfortunately were never uh well enough to work like since, since I was born so um they you know like they were sickness benefit or retired whatever and I was an only child so I had the benefit of like growing up in I'm um, initially like a proper scheming view park like outside Glasgow you know we stayed in like you know a council house that we um and I would just put on shows <laughs> I guess I'd just because I had the audience of three adults like all the time you know you never really think of it that but I guess that was the, the the start the start of it um so and then you know because my mum and like my mum and dad like weren't very well when I was well you know their health was just declining and stuff they'd sort of felt like they'd lived their life they'd had they were mar they were um married nine years before they had me so like there was just any I was very very fortunate that the little money that we did have you know, they really did invest in me and they sort of almost lived vicariously through me. So I know that's really, you know, that's really privileged to even have that. Um, so, yeah, I sort of went to, you know, just like the local dance classes when, when I was like two or three or whatever. And then um, I was really, really badly bullied at school. So, um, and I sort of just kind of stopped speaking. Like I just stopped being myself and my mum had like uh, drama classes at Scotch Opera recommended to her. And then that's when I started acting. And then I went to Glasgow Academy of Musical Theatre Arts, um, where Louise McCarthy actually went. That's like the, because uh, yeah. I was listening to her podcast um, with you. And yeah, I started doing musical theatre. And then, yeah, so it's just always been like an absolute given. And, I, you know, I was really lucky that like there was always some offer on at the theatre or something that like it's been a part of I think the first thing I think I saw was Cats I saw Cats nine times I've got a weird you shared something the other day there about Cats and I was like yes <laughs> yeah I don't know I, I was because we were going to emigrate we were um there was this tape like cassette tape in my mum's friend's house of Cats and I used to listen to it I was like two and apparently when we came back to Glasgow I pointed at this bus with these two eyes on it and I was like cats so that was the first thing my mom took to see um so yeah I don't know weird obsession um and yeah so I just kind of it was always I just there was never it wasn't that I couldn't have done anything like I was I was I really put my work in at school like I got Mm -hmm. straight A's and and like I just I wasn't eating I was eating my lunch in the classroom and everything for some reason I just was like let me just do this for some I had a weird obsession with like you know 
I'm such a perfectionist, so that for some reason. But um, yeah, so I, I probably could have done other stuff, but it just, I don't know, there was just something that always appealed to me. And then, you know, I was auditioning for drama schools. It took me, I get into some places, but I really wanted to go to Royal, Royal Scottish Academy, as it was called then, um, and it took me four years to get in there, went there and then um, kind of, I'm not, I wouldn't say I've been working ever since. I have been <laughs> famine or, uh, I was about to say famine or drought, those two things are the same. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. It's well, been I've, I've seen that you have worked because you've done some amazing things so it's fun yeah it's funny feast at points, I know sure. it's it's all relative and that's like what it, you know we're constantly reminded of it's like because you know I'll look at kind of what I have done and I'm like oh geez like I actually have kind of you know worked in every theatre in Scotland and I've I've done some amazing things on like tv and film and stuff like I have done such incredible stuff but then it feels it, because there's so much time some people go from job to job to job I do not do that like I am always like questioning everything for a period of I mean three months to like two years in between work and it's really really tough um and obviously you know not being a I don't know, a lord or lady of a man or whatever. Like, I've always had to work at something else. I've had every other part-time, full-time job under the sun. Um, but this is actually... so important that you're saying that because I think... Uh, so I listened to your episode on Bridos. Uh-huh, yeah, I yeah. think you said some similar, like, you know, that it, people just get an impression that you're working all the time. And obviously on social media, we just, like, share what we want to share and we share mm. the highlights but there's gaps in between the wee squares yeah, time oh, where things aren't happening. So, yeah. like, I think it's really cool and really important that you're that honest because yeah. there'll be a million other people who do a job similar to yours in that kind of similar field where you don't know where the next thing's come from and it's all, like, up in the air and it's, like, down to somebody else's decision. Or, yeah, you know what I mean, and you're the last person to know and I think it's really cool that you're being that honest that you're, like... By the way, I don't always work and I don't yeah, always well, know just, where the next jobs come from. No, there's, I, I don't think there's any benefit to, you know, fake, faking that. Like, I don't know who that is helping. Although there is like a weird balance to be struck because obviously in this age where like social media, I don't really see it as like a, I certainly don't see it as a tool to get act and work or whatever but like, I don't, you know, there are casting directors that, it's, it's sort of like, if you're being self-deprecating, you need to do it in a clever way. And and if you're being and if you're promoting something or marketing something that you're doing, you need to do it. I would say in a clever way because it's like, um, and I try and have that. I don't know, just like an element of humor. So I don't know, make them laugh. Um, whenever I'm doing something like that, because I'm just like, it, it's just being conscious of you know, being happy that something's happened for you, but also like very conscious that for every, like it's not happened for other people because holy God, I have been in that position, you know, when you're seeing everybody do it. And still, you know, it, it still get gets to me. Like it's, it's, and I think what, what I'm finding the difference now I've moved into writing a bit more is like acting is such a, um, so much of it's based on how you look and it's really, really tough to like, especially if you've, you know, always had like self-esteem issues in terms of like how you look, whatever. To put your to put your face as the product and like your body as the product and like and 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 have to watch it back all the time and and, and somehow remove like that part of it. It's really it it it's really 
tough and like that that's, that's why I don't I do this podcast for that many reason Joanne because I'm like I don't need a belong to that near as empty else Christ. but we're, we're all just like our own worst enemies like so. I'm like the big heat and art attack and every time I see my face move I'm like why is your face moving so much the big heat and art <laughs> attack is a work of art lest we forget okay so but it's so it's just dead refreshing <laughs> and so important that somebody of your I'm going to say like your caliber do you mean someone who's worked on lots of amazing things well-known things you're recognizable that you're you're a human being and that's a real experience of Mm. your life's work to date and and you have you're just like a normal person who's like has feelings about themselves and seeing Mm. themselves on camera and i think just all everything you're saying and the fact that you were you know to touch on the thing about the social media thing and not wanting to come across as bragging the fact that you even think about that just speaks volumes about the kind of person you are that you're already thinking that that might look like you know you're aware of peers who might be looking at that going i'm Mm. i've not got a job at the moment you're like i've been there done that so i get it and i don't want to come across as if i'm like oh here's me yeah it's a weird it's such a weird line to cross because obviously Uh you've like I've had people message me like for instance when I got when I got the Outlander job I hadn't worked in two years I was at my rock bottom I was I was working well this I got it during Covid but just before Covid I was working seven jobs in London I I was in London briefly for a very short stint um and I moved to London for a lot and worked consistently um and yeah it was just like I was absolutely miserable like beyond measurable um and also I was going to you know the additions I was getting I was going to them on my break from a like from an office job like in central London and I was embarrassed at what I was doing in the room and they were embarrassed for me because I was not nailing it I was just like I have not had a time I've not slept I'm I'm so I'm just, I'm not in this like I was a completely different person and I was you know I was quitting and oh it was just it was it was it's like you can't just switch on like a light bulb do you know what I mean it's a process so I can imagine mm. how difficult it would be to be like you're like I'm in an office and five minutes later I'm doing the road to doing I've just to become this I've just yeah. transformed into this character yeah and especially when you know I can it's easy to switch on things that are quite close to you you know and and um, which course, is yes. the majority of what you generally you know unless you're a name and you know you're responsible for putting bums on seats it, it generally what you're seeing is things pretty close to you but it was it's mainly when you're doing so i remember oh God, i can't remember what it was for it was like this one woman show that was like because i because i used to dance so i also had like choreography in it and i had to speak in a french accent and i was like this is crap and i know it's crap and you know it's crap and i can see that i was recommended to you and you were like oh <laughs> why, why are you here oh it was awful like i've never it was like one of those nightmares where you're like um like when you're on stage and you don't know what your lines are oh no it's just awful because I am such a perfect I'm like I always do and it's exhausting like it is exhausting every edition I get um you know sometimes there's ones where I'm like I ain't ever gonna get this it's way too far at my wheelhouse and you know it's like it's more of a if you've got a really busy week or whatever it's more of a get the lines out just learn the lines and get it away but there's some you know I mean most of them I'm absolutely 
and even those ones, I'm still like, you know, I'd still put 110%. Yeah, like, you want it. Oh, regardless. But, um, and, and that's exhausting. You're just consistently for like two years. If, you're, if it was any other job, if you were like interviewing to be a taxi driver and for two years you you did like four or, you know, if you're lucky, two to four job interviews a week and every single one of them was a I'm no. A taxi driver still really good at what I do. Yeah. Well, I mean, you would be like, oh, maybe... Maybe this isn't for me. I mean, I'm clearly like crashing into everything in sight. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just like absolute insanity. Um, but yeah, I keep coming back. As I've, I, I think it's, I'm speaking from someone that's been in an abusive relationship. It really is akin to an, an abusive relationship where you're just like this thing that like just knocks you and knocks you and you have to just keep but you have this yeah. genuine lo- love for it and um, you believe that it will eventually treat you better. <laughs> you just, like, stay hanging about. Um, yeah, it's so such what, a So what do you do? What have you learned to, like, how to protect yourself in that? Like, because you're saying you've done it for 12 years now. Yeah. And obviously there is a passion there, there is a love there, but you are also aware of this, the abusive nature of it, mm-hmm. if, if you like. So what do you now do that helps you get through that? Oh God, I don't know if you know, if you actually do know the secret to that, please tell me because I definitely have not nailed it. Um, uh, I cried to my mum. My mum is like the best. Um, Cry to your tribe. Like I think getting a good tribe around you of Mm like-minded people and like powerful people that have been through the same shit that you've been through is paramount, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And just being able to distract yourself uh yeah um and be well the the thing the reason that I then started writing in the midst of all that like and I only started doing that during Covid was and it was because of that desire to have some kind of distraction um Mm -hmm. and I didn't really know if I could do it but I I thought I'd try it um and And control as well I guess oh yeah I feel so much more in control it might be somewhat of a placebo because it's like really you're not really it's it's it just you feel more part of the process than as an actor because it's fair like like you said you're the last piece of the puzzle as an actor it's different in theater it's different in tv but like you know quite often you're turning up and you're literally like yeah, in TV anyway, if you're like a day player you're on you're on something for a little while it's like you're never really part of you're never really part of the creative discussions. You're never never really part of the choices. Theatre's a little bit more different, but even then, you know, I've done a lot of, I've, I've I have played leads, but I I absolutely play you know ensemble things where it's it's not just a you decision. It's not you know it's it's a you know you don't you're not really creating anything. That's why and that's why I never saw myself as a storyteller and st- until I started writing because I just for me it was like acting is the skill of acting is taking someone else's words, taking the artist's words and then and then making it sound like it's coming from my body for the for the first time. And that's a mm. that's a skill that I do think that I'm good at in terms of like just the thought process and, and like it's just it's smoke and mirrors. It's just tricking someone into thinking that you're the thoughts arrived in your head and then you're saying it out loud. That's basically my, the extent of my but skill. That's so incredibly impressive and so clever and I can imagine for anybody that's not in this world they they would be quite shocked to hear 
about the lack of creativity at points and, and control because mm. I think a lot of people would understand or they would think that as an actor you know it would be a process with the director and other people and like you're saying it's just not always like that yeah if you're if you're the like I've just I've just played the 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 title role in Prudencia Heart at the Royal Exchange and that was incredible because it was the first time that I've ever and I've had other lead parts but it's the first time that I was like I feel like I know what I'm doing and I actually I've wanted to play that part for like 10 years but I actually would never have been able to do it until now like I never had I, I don't know it's just that thing of like it didn't feel like I was a lead in a company but I was very aware that like I was one of the more experienced and actually one of one of the older people in the room which is a very new scenario I'm used to being like you know the person that doesn't have a voice in a room um, and certainly in TV there's almost no control unless you're like an exec produce you know unless you're yeah. um, the lead in a TV program and sometimes you know the lead in a TV program if they're not an exec if they're not a producer alongside it sometimes they don't get a say in things there's so many pieces of the puzzle and I think that's like a common misconception is that people I remember being really really young and watching Coronation Street with my gran and an actor picked up a chair and threw it across the room in this scene and I can remember my mum this is such a like like a weird I've never actually thought of this before but I remember my mum saying oh that was a bit that wasn't very good acting and I can remember at the time defending her and being like there is absolutely no way that that actor would have done that and that be her choice like it, you need to talk to the art department if you're going to do something like yeah. that. You, the yeah. director would need to depend on that. The camera would need to know where the where the chair was being thrown. That is not her being bad acting. She might have been told to throw the chair and her as the actor is like, well, that's a bit much. But they're like, well, that's what we want you to do. And she's like, right, okay, so then it's your job to... And that happens all the time where you're like... Really? But then, but then I'm not. I'm not the one that's see, you know. I'm not the one that's seeing it. So you got to trust. Sure. It's like somebody else is always your eyes, and that's really tough. But like on theatre, you never really you you never see yourself perform. But you but you know what you're doing for four weeks, and then you put it on in front of someone, up in front of like thousands of people. But like in TV and film, it's wild because you you do a thing, you pour your heart out, whatever. And you squeeze out whatever performance you can with all of the other tech that's around you, and um, and the fact that you've not been on a set in two years, which is quite you know often the case, especially if someone's delving between theatre and TV. And then once you do something, they all just like go away and look at the monitor, and they just like silently discuss. <laughs> you while you're like standing there awkwardly it's it's the worst because obviously you know until you are one of those people that um has been on something long running enough to know that you belong there the fear of because it's just you've gone from two years of rejection quite often you know or of three months of rejection whatever you've gone from that being the, the default um, so it's hard to be like, yeah, they're looking at the monitor and they're loving what I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> like that just never happens. You're just like, um, does anyone want to like give? Can I give me can a I help? And quite often, it's not even about you. I'm sure sometimes it might be about me. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there's some um, discussion about the yeah, set. And I know the, the focus and, and the lighting and yeah, um, the the scripts. But I can imagine. Well, I mean, I just come from experience because I know what kind of person I am. I mm-hmm. would just be like, it's definitely about me. Oh I mean, yeah, I'll walk I'm in getting... any room, and if the energy's off, I'll make it about me. Yeah, oh, I'm like, I need to fix this. Yeah, and it is like <laughs> that thing of empathy. It's like just when you're really 
empathetic yes. person and you just my default always is like how is this person are they okay is there anything i can do to help them it's just like clear but surely and that quality you're... is what you need to be an actor to be a good actor because you need to get in the head yeah, it's, a, and be it's an endless uh, loop of <laughs> hell like, well, i need to <laughs> shut this empathy off when i'm in the room because yeah, and have, like, i'm going to be an ever <laughs> some self-confidence it's it's um yeah it's a total catch 22 of utter misery <laughs> um but yeah i mean this is the thing it's like and that's what people are that's the side of stuff that people are not seeing and then like with Outlander or whatever I've never I've never been in anything that was as big as that so I've never you know be, been at a red carpet I've never been invited to something like that I've never been interviewed in a red carpet I've never had to think about like a stylist or whatever like it's just wild um which is so now I'm experiencing like another side of the industry entirely which is like a real um which is it's a real wake-up call in terms of because uh, I've always said I've never wanted to be famous. I, I, I can't really think of anything worse than being like, you know, Brad Pitt famous where you can't go for a pint of milk or whatever. Um, but, or having, you know, your personal life splashed across like the news and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, it is really interesting, especially now I'm on the other side of it, writing stuff and, you know, people talk about getting names attached to the project to mm. garner interests from financiers and stuff it's like wow that is now like now because i'm not in it and you know i i know that i'm not and it's like well i wouldn't even get near that like i would i'm not even on that list um so they're really those people weren't always on the list like you're like when you know brad pitt was just a guy at one point Mm. you know i mean like when like it's, it's it's just a weird i mean it's yeah. just obviously a weird very unique scenario but you're like give people a chance <laughs> like, yeah because it's like and that's why i really do respect um you know older a lot older actors or you know people in their 30s 40s and things that get you know that have been working consistently and then you know just the right thing comes along that's 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 them to tea um and like Sam Hewn, for instance, on Outlander, like I've I've spoken about that before because I just think he's quite he's quite honest about um, being in and out of work on and off and like feeling like I wanted to quit and um you know and he had some incredible successes but then that's the thing sometimes when you have those like successes people are like oh this is your this is your thing and you're like no <laughs> and people have asked me that about like you know Outlander or whatever and I'm like I've had those things before where. You think, oh, maybe this, and it's just, it's just not. But it depends what your cast does as well. Like, um, because I think, so <laughs> I think I do do the kind of like sidekick kind of thing quite well, like that, that quite well. So I'm like, that's not, yeah. that's never going to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, God, that that's my absolute, like if I could get in something that was a long running thing where I could feel comfortable, because also it's just like, that's when your best work comes out, you know, when you feel... You get your teeth into something. Yeah, when you feel like you you belong there. And maybe that's, you know, maybe for me that's, that isn't writing because it's just, um, I feel like I'm having a better, like for how limited a time I've, I've done it, I'm having um, the control is, is really, is really something that I've never experienced before. I'm just having a bit of like artistic choice in the matter I don't know um, but it's like I really admire that you've gone after that do you know what I mean because 
you could with, with the sounds of things how involved and how you know the thought process and the just the logistics of being a working actor mm. trying to get work that sounds all consuming and then I guess yeah. if you have to take on other jobs office jobs whatever mm. coffee shops whatever in between times like that's time consuming so the fact that you've like prioritised and you've made time for your own writing and you're pursuing that like that's really impressive because you, you've obviously got something to say and you want to be creative and you want that control mm. but you can want all you like but it's it's been able to make the time and, and oh, yeah. believe in that as well yeah. do you know what I, mean? so I think that's really impressive I will say I will say though that it's you know I don't I don't have kids um I'm also like this is I'll be completely upfront the first year of my life that I have been able to that it just so happens that whatever acting work or writing work that I've got has been able to fund me for this year where I don't have to do any part-time work and that's mainly because I got fired from my front of house job um, and then I was standing next to someone I was like oh right maybe I could could you maybe speak to or I was trying to get it back and they were like why why do you want to go back there and I'm like because I need and they were like why don't you just try and be an artist for a year and I was like oh my god I actually could because it's just this thing of I've never known where my next money's coming from so like I'm just I've always always been like I will work every because I I just haven't known so I've always been a very good saver because it's just Uh like which has afforded me to be able to um to be in this position so I will say don't be that impressed because I because this is the only all of the things that bring that to, yeah you know yeah to th- be that's able you that you've made point. that happen yeah. like yeah. and you've been brave enough to like step out of your norm so you could have just been like no no, no I must go and get another yeah. job like I can't like no that's ridiculous like that so the bravery that was involved mm-hmm. in that to yeah go, no, I'm going to pursue this yeah and it did actually to be fair it did actually start that little niggle did start during um before before COVID I remember I was applying for a job in an office uh, in London and I specifically said that I wanted to afford, I'd been working seven jobs, I'd been working my butt off and then I applied for a new job and I said I want a four day working week this is before COVID, it was like revolutionary and they were like what? and I was like I need a, I, I want a day to try and do something to just feel sane, like I just need a day yes. um, yeah. and I know obviously you get the Saturday and Sunday but that's just not enough <laughs> because it's okay, just, like, I, I, got, a, I, was, I was working the Saturday and Sunday, I was working at the O2 and I was working at theatres on Saturday and Sunday so I was just like, I just need a Friday or I, wed- I ended up being a Wednesday, they wouldn't give me a Monday or a Friday off, they'd give me a Wednesday in the middle of the week, okay. I was like okay, I'll ta- I will take it um, but yeah and I remember uh, well actually that lasted for a bit two months and then and then it was like coming up to Christmas and oh, we were selling perfume it was a whole thing so I was doing five days a week <laughs> I was an absolute yeah I'm exhausted uh, I didn't, it didn't um yeah I was literally doing like nine to six in an office some evenings I was going to the, the like theatres and work in front of house selling ice cream and then I was working at the O2 as an usher Saturday and Sunday there was like a period of time where I was doing that um just grim, grim, and then that like, just that that just shows you the passion behind the you know behind what you want to be doing. You're like, this is a means to an end. Yeah, complete. Yeah, because it, I, I what what was really I think when I hit rock bottom was when I realised oh shit, this might not be a means to an end because it just that was two years of nothing, and I was like, crap, I'm doing this 
where is the end? Like, where where is this break? Where is this thing going to come from? And and I say that that sounded. I just want to like caveat that with like as if you know oh, we're, we're all able just to like choose one thing until the other thing arrives because for a lot of people that's oh, not the reality. 100%. But I mean, a means to end in terms of like if your means to an end is feeding your family. Or yes, completely. keep the heating on. Like, yeah. do you know I mean, but for you, obviously, all of the above, like keeping yourself safe and not roof over your head and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But also, you, you've got your eye on the prize still. Like, you have this passion. You, you want to p- pursue acting. You want to pursue writing. You want to direct. And this is what this is what's going to get you there. Mm-hmm. But you could have quite easily have, at points. I'm sure went oft. I don't know anymore. Oh, I did many many things. <laughs> Yes. I remember a very, very low point in London where I was like, um, yeah, I, um, oh, I was really bad. And I remember my partner made me a little flag <laughs> that they waved, they wrote, they wrote like things to keep me going. And then they like waved, they came in and waved it. And I was like, okay, I will keep That's going. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, like- getting people around you that believe in you when you Good don't genius. is like yeah oh yeah 100% like 100%. I mean you know just like doing this podcast like mm-hmm. you know I have that thing like why am I doing this nobody's listening like is anybody bothered like and then somebody will go oh I love listening to so and so and I'm like oh my god you listen to this and I'm mm-hmm. like you're a good human like you've taken the time or like you know or that's amazing you're doing that and I'm like thanks so much because like yeah you but that's like, that's the thing I'm still playing at shops yeah completely <laughs> but, but it, it, again it's a it's a you know intended to be an inspirational thing and especially for you know people like you know working class people that have you know are making making their the the best situation out of like crap it's good to hear someone be able to do that and someone like you know your accent be able to do like do that or whatever or just and again it's like that kind of like connectivity of just having something in common and that's why I don't think it helps to just and I, I hope I, I hope my social media doesn't come across like that but like I don't think it helps to be like this is only good things I am only good things and I've I have worked with people that have an air of that about them and it's really tough to like be in that company because I'm just like that must be exhausting like are you not exhausted there's a part of that that has to be a front and then there, there's part of it that has to it, it might break it might break at some point like I, I mean you just really have to be prepared yeah I mean I'm a bit of a worst case scenario but I, I do you you when and if you fall you want to have like good people around you that that aren't just there because of what you can do for them or whatever like Totally, um, and totally. like, but I think you should cut yourself some slack. Like, I don't think you need to worry about your social media because the end of the day, it's social media it serves a purpose. Like, we're not take, you shouldn't be taking it as gospel. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you should all 100%. just be like, this is like just like your holiday photos. I'm posting my my stories a lot because it's just a quick thing to uh, again yeah. see those freaking squares on Instagram. Again, I'm way too much of a perfectionist. I'm like, I need to make it look nice. So you're writing. What mm-hmm. are you working on? What are the kind of things that like get your goat? Get your my knitting? goat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how long do I have? Um, I am writing, and I'm actually writing in terms of like format or you know uh, genre wise. They're all sort of comedy dramas, like because um, I need to laugh. My God, um, but in terms of 
I've started writing a TV pilot, then I wrote a short, then I wrote a play, and now I'm writing a book. <laughs> um, because I don't know yet which one is going to stick or, you know, which, you know, what route is going to... And it's more, that was just more of a, a thing of where I was like, oh, I don't, you know, maybe I take to one more than the other and, you know, maybe... Maybe I don't. I don't know. Because um, they're all like weirdly different in their own ways. And obviously you, there's a million ways to tell a story. And I just thought if some days... Because ultimately, I, you, there's only so much you can do for free. I, yeah, I've, I've got enough of a um, business head on me from acting where, I, I, you know, I've got my limitations in terms of like, yes, I can write this for an enjoyment, but I'm always... There's always like a... Again, it's like I mean, to an end. Like I, I'm not. I'm, I'm. I'm writing it, hopefully, to get it made. You know, and I'm. I'm like doing it towards towards that end for sure. Yeah, um, you're somebody who wants to share their work with other people, like you're. Yeah, completely. One, I mean, there's uh, there's obviously solace in doing it for yourself, and there'll be gratification in doing totally, that process. Totally. But at the end of the day, you're yeah. you went into that world because you like yeah. sharing stories with other people. Yeah, and I mean to be fair, like the first, you know, when I first started writing that pilot I had no idea I would ever show it to anyone and in fact the first people I did show it to I had my friend with me because it was her that basically forced me to write it because she was like you need to write this story it's too good you need to write it um again good tribe and I I did it I shared it with a writer's group and they pretty much tore it apart and like did not get it at all and I was like crying on the call like trying to hide it and she was like holding my hand like off off the call it was so grim and I I remember coming off that call I was like oh well not for me then obviously this is never I'm never going to do this again and that is the same pilot and I, I redrafted it a little bit but like pretty much it's like the same pilot that's now been optioned and is like getting a lot of attention yeah. so it just goes to show you that it's just like you really yeah perseverance is like a huge thing for sure, but um, I completely believed in that story. And actually, so everything I'm writing, I just, the reason I hadn't written anything before was because I thought, well, I don't really have, I used to have an imagination. I don't think I have an imagination anymore. I think it gets ripped out of you when you're at school. You know, it just, the whole society, it's just, our society is not catered towards being imaginative. It's just not. Um, so I think some point, at some point along the way that just stopped for me and that's why I guess I was you know doing this thing where I was making someone else's imagination Seriously? reality yeah, um, yeah. but I realised once I realised that I could turn things that happened to me or someone once said it was like the best thing to focus on if you're thinking about what to write is like the biggest learning moments in your own life like when are the moments you have learned something about yourself or learned something about the world that you've maybe and I've found the best things to write about are the things that you still don't quite understand or the things you still don't quite get or mm. you really actually can see the other person's point of view even though you profusely like believe in a certain thing so like everything I've done I've really tried to um not not just show something like show yes. something that um is is really important to me i mean the the pilot is um has these like two queer leads female leads over the age of 60 the which is like you know telling telling a story about how 
homosexuality and uh, religion kind of crosses over and can they coexist and um but you know it's a it's a it's a comedy and um yeah it's just like seeing those things that are not not out there or the stories yes. aren't out there and trying to like shine a light on that um yeah. and then my short's kind of about I, I guess uh sexual autonomy like having like the it's just that kind of um having been a survivor of sexual assault and se- like that kind of the the, the complexities of abusive power in those kind of relationships it's about that again a comedy i write really dark things but like just have lots of jokes um and yeah and the play that i'm writing is as a as a metaphor for the failings of our justice system when it comes to sexual assault and it's set in a police station so it's very um and again a comedy if you can believe um but yeah it's just like i think some things are so farcical like when you're when you're the on the receiving end of some of the these complex things in our world you're like this is a farce this cannot be real like sometimes it's just like you know you open your laptop and you're like again or it's just like how is this continuing to yeah things like that basically and then it's been so therapeutic and cathartic to kind of write something about that and I think I I couldn't keep writing if I was doing you know if I'd made a world where it was on a spaceship I wouldn't keep writing that well I mean there's obviously some people can look at those I'm not a massive I'm not a massive um go for fantasy stuff because for some reason I'm like there, there's an allegory here somewhere but it's like too distant for me to see so if everything is sort of been watching uh, my partner's making me watch all of the uh, Marvel Universe in order, in timeline order, because I've never really seen, I'd never really been my thing, because again, I'd I'd seen it as like, well, it was completely marketed to um, the male demographic, and like watching Iron Man 1, and then the the, the thing I said was like, I will watch them if I can watch the making of afterwards, watch every single making of afterwards, and I was like... Like Gwyneth Paltrow's running around in Iron Man One with heels on on a grated <laughs> floor, that and then it cut to the in in the sh- in that shot in the making of it's a completely male writing team, completely um, male crew. I mean, I can't you know I'm sure there was the odd woman in there, but um, and she's wearing Uggs because of course she as a person is not gonna. I'm like just things like that where I'm like. Um, I'm really fascinated with that, but but, but what I've found in those um, movies is the ones that are completely set on another planet or whatever. Mm. I, I find it really tricky to connect to, to connect but to the ones life. that have realism alongside, Understand, like yes. that fantasy element, I, I, I tap into a lot more. Yeah, um, of course. It's weird. Some people really want fantasy to switch off to things. So yeah, everything I'm writing is really based in realism. Like in terms of dialogue mm. and stuff, it's. Um, very very naturalistic um almost kind of mockumentary style kind of um certainly my my play anyway in my short um but yeah so you're you're saying like you know the cathartic the catharsism involved Mm -hmm. in that but also i'm just thinking like the bravery involved in tackling issues that are close to your personal experience like Mm. i think that's again that's something like i really 
admire that you've went there in order to you know, say something about the world. Well, that's that's what I understand. Like, I can't, I can't understand, you know, I can't understand what it's like to not be white in this world. I can't understand what it's like to be a refugee. I can't understand. And that's why, you know, that's why ultimately, you know, people, it's a very controversial, controversial subject in terms of like, you know, writing what you know or being, who's allowed to tell those stories. Mm-hmm. But I, there's a certain complexity that only someone that has been, through that and 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 um can really put down on paper like um you know people can kind of fake it and some people are very good at it like that is you know for a lot of people will say i i guess when you get further into that career and you're in a writer's room or whatever and you have to write to the voice of the lead writer or whatever like Mm -hmm. a lot of these big american shows have a huge writer's room and rooms and you have to take on the tone of the show which might not necessarily be your and you know i've not really had to quite I've not really had to do that you've not had to go and write yeah. someone else's episode of something yeah, yeah, um yeah. which is another skill set mm. entirely um and quite similar to acting almost where you're like you know you've almost got like a paint by numbers scenario you're part of like making it but you've got to yeah. go away and, and and make it someone else's voice so everything I've I've, I've done has been completely in my own voice and completely um it's not definitely not beginner's luck because I've had 12 years of being on sets and being on like and understanding how stories work so, I suppose it does yeah, melt yeah, yeah. through it yeah, somehow. <laughs> yeah so I'm not like you know I've not been working in a bank for 12 years and then no. I'm like oh, well how fun to write a script night, yeah uh-huh. so because the one thing is like you, you know you get a lot of scripts in and some of them are better than others and it's like somehow even if you can't put your finger on why it must mm. seep into like your your subconscious i don't know mm. i can't quite explain it but yeah, yeah i mean it's i would never with age like i don't want to be ageist but it's definitely it's obviously the experience that you've had it's just that mm. you've you've served your time you've been in many rooms in many situations met many yeah. people played many and not been listened to or mm. or not felt like i've got you know a, a voice yeah. um yeah. and that's that's quite tricky so even like with directing and stuff it's like i've always got a bit of a director's head on because it's like even when you're in a rehearsal room or whatever um and you know there's you need to know your place like you can't direct other actors or whatever but it's like there are some actors although they're very few and far between to be fair that will you know show up and need to be told where to stand what to do and like they're there like that that's that's the extent of what they'd like bring to it but um my friend Shania had a really good um a, a really good way of putting it she was like when you she was like when you hire me you don't hire like you're not just hiring an actor you're hiring someone that's got the um got all those other things and it's it's frustrating to be in those scenarios where you can help solve a problem but either the room is created in a, in a way where it doesn't feel like you that offering that suggestion will be welcomed or, or if you do, it's just completely batted uh-huh. down. Like it's, um, like, and I've been in those rooms. You've got a skill set in the room. Why wouldn't you use it? That's yeah, yeah. Bamboozling. And mean? quite often, it's like that thing. It's, it's quite often it's egos in our room as well, where you're and you have to kind of navigate that. And for a director, that must be really tough because a lot of, yes. and then the difference between theatre and TV, because obviously on long run TV shows really the actors are king in that room because it's visiting directors that come in for a block and out for a block. So um, quite often they do, you know, the, the actors higher up do know exactly 
what their yeah. characters uh-huh. about. Yes, and, of course. Yeah, yeah. Got have that, have that voice. Yeah. I see. It's just like trust and and respect in it, and just yeah, and respect for your craft, like and for everyone's craft. Mm. To yeah. know that you know that everybody's point is valid, and okay, ultimately it's going to come down to one person's decision, maybe of course, yeah. or whatever. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like. What's the what's the difficulty? What's the problem with everybody putting their ten pence worth in first? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, like yeah. before you make that decision, because there might just be that solution in the room if you just let yeah. everybody have their say. The, like, I, I don't see the issue with that. One of the jobs I just came from, like uh, Jan, yeah, December, January at the Royal Exchange when I was doing Prudencia Hart, Debbie Hannon that directed that was it has been the most phenomenal director of that. Like just and. Maybe part of it was my perspective of being the lead in a play for the first time in a long time and and feeling like mature and like ready to take that on. And, and you know, she felt more of a contemporary rather than someone that like was much, much older than me or whatever. But she really does have a... That was so, so new to me to have... I mean, it just was like a hive mind. Like the whole thing was a hive mind. Yeah. Like there was no... Um, like there was moments where you know she really had to concentrate and you you know but she was very good at like letting you know that just really communicative saw you as a person saw everybody in the room as people and um, just really respectful of other people's thoughts and opinions it was just like god yeah um, but so surely that's... that's how everybody grows like when do you yeah. just decide you know it all and you've got no other learning to do and your decision is going to be the best what when everybody tells you that that's the case all through your life and if you if you are in privileged positions that's why we need in terms of it's not even just representation it's like that person's like someone is you know she's coming from like a you know a a background that i've not seen in a room and has experiences yeah. that are rarely that are rarely in charge in a room, mm-hmm. um, and and is very aware of even her own privilege. You know, it's, for instance, you know, she's a, she's a, she's white, okay. and um, it's um, but very very aware of the complexities of of gender and queerness and disability and like, and that is so important to have in a room to be like the voice of that when. Um, yeah it's just it's so it's so overlooked and if and if you are constantly directed by people who are who have a you know have been privileged and have have been listened to because of who they are or whatever they approach that room very differently like it's 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 like night and day um so yeah we need more we just need more people with those experiences um and it's like it's like diversity of thought as well um like if you're in a room together and the whole cast, right, or the whole, you know, they're not going to have the same perspective on the world because your audience isn't going to be that either. Um, so so the rooms need to reflect that. Yeah, well, you're, when you were talking about, you know, when you were sharing your work with that initial group and, you know, you felt like it was like, they hated it and that's it, it's finished. And now you're talking about, the, you know, the, the pieces moving forward and it's being picked up and you're like, yeah, because just on that day in that moment those x amount of people decided something doesn't mean that that's the, the you know that's how everybody's going to feel about something so mm-hmm. you've got to think like that in terms of your cast and your crew but also your audiences that yeah, yeah we're not all always going to agree but like we said right at the start it's finding that common ground or being open to your mind being changed open to learning 
and we can only do that if there is diversity of thought and diversity mm-hmm. in the room and do you know what I mean like people yeah. see themselves represented I, I'm not saying like it's easy really because it's not because now I've been on the other side of that I'm like trying to you know <laughs> it's like I, I put out you know calls for people aren't you know you try, you try and do what you can and we're all learning I'm gonna get it wrong I have got it wrong everybody's got it wrong at some point um I'm gonna do my absolute best to not get it wrong again um but even in that even if you're like the right like if you're the writer in something doesn't necessarily because then it's still really the final decisions up to like an exec producer or whatever so it's like try as I may in terms of pushing something in a specific direction in terms of who's cast or whatever or like um you know that being their authentic experience and being able to speak to that um it that might not always be the case and it's mm-hmm. really hard to pinpoint whose fault that is like I have this thing about like you know when you go and see something that's problematic or whatever there's really no way of knowing whose fault that is yeah. so like um, a series of events and yeah, of people, yeah yeah and it's um made. and sometimes it's out of someone's hands it's someone's hands um it, it's probably someone's fault at some at some point yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's just like um you know i've had people that have really been on the receiving end of something that they've really tried everything they could and for various different reasons it was just not possible mm-hmm. um and that's really tricky when you're like no, no, this is, I completely believe in this, but this was out of my hands, and like, um, yeah, and I think, I think patience, and I, I think knowing, um, knowing when you've got something wrong, and I still have, I still have to learn every day. We're all having to get better at it because clearly we've screwed it, um, <laughs> and other people have screwed it. We've screwed it. Like we've, we've got things drastically wrong, and I think it's just thinking well of yourself when you're learning to say it better and thinking well of others because and having the patience to um take i don't know just take ownership of your mistakes and educate yourself and (laughs) sorry this has got here depressing i'm like yeah that, yeah. That's all positive, like that. Do you know what I mean? Learning from your mistakes, going forward with an open mind, open heart, holding your hands up, saying, I absolutely got that wrong and I've learned from it. That's they're all positive statements that you've just said. Like, none of I didn't see any of that as negative. <laughs> Absolute truth. Like, theater, um, and everything, it just, it just all gets better for it. Like, it has, like, just, Correct. Yes. I mean, if you look at it, I was just through the fringe and, um, just devoured all the traverse shows, and it's just like, mm just those stories being told and seeing seeing people on stage that you don't like it's just all so much better for it and and you learn new stuff about yourself and about other people it's just that's what it's meant to do that's what exactly yeah I, i hugely appreciate everything that you've opened up about what you've said you're so honest and open like you're clearly a decent human who's just really passionate about what you do and the fact that you have this huge skill set, and that you're you're you've obviously spent so much time honing your craft, but you're still like challenging yourself. Like, so you're twelve years in, like you say, but you're still doing stuff that scares you and doing stuff that's hard. And I think that's really cool because 
12 years in of hard work and, and successes and doing really well and also the knocks that you talked about um, it would be easy just to rest on your laurels and go alright well I know what I'm good at or like I know what's going to tick a box but it sounds to me that that's not you like you're somebody who likes to challenge themselves which I really admire Thanks. Do you know how much of it's me challenge myself or the industry just making me challenge myself? <laughs> but thank you regardless. Yeah, it's... Oh, I don't know. Well, as long as you're having a nice time along the I'm way. having a nice time. And that's all we can hope for. Have a nice time. <laughs> and inspiring people and taking people on journeys that they otherwise maybe wouldn't go on. And I think that's the power of storytelling the power of the work that you do like it's it's, it's pure magic do you know I mean like uh, it just is thanks. <laughs> thanks yeah we just need to be not scared of getting things I'm, I'm very scared of getting things wrong but I've managed to kind Oof. of I'm your just pal. S- slightly over just like gone slightly over that hard road to a point where I'm like ooh, maybe maybe I can actually get it right like maybe I could get it right um, and I think if you like allow yourself that possibility then 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 good stuff starts to happen but um yeah the fear of just getting the stabilizers off in it yeah i know and just like screaming <laughs> with your arms it. flailing and yeah ah, <laughs> i shut down hell yeah <laughs> i just had visions of you just flying in the abyss on your bike with the stabilizers yeah. off i love it i really admire it <laughs> and getting out getting up and dusting yourself back off that's that's the important bit for sure now While i, I cry. Could... <laughs> A wee greet, so it was good. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, you let it out. <laughs> um, I massively appreciate like the time and effort that you've put into this because, like I, was, I say in every podcast, I'm like, there's always been a technical hitch. I get plunged into darkness halfway through this, and you were like talking to yourself. I'm very much looking forward to hearing all the sound bites that you've left me. Oh, yes. But I'm only glad I it was Brian like O'Sullivan. I was, I was watching Brian O'Sullivan's Instagram story of him buying a mega pack of toothbrushes. And then I, realized, <laughs> so that I on. And then I realised, oh, wait, my mic's still <laughs> There's a couple of burps in there as well for you. That's okay. Treats, treats all right. Thanks. Yeah, I always get excited when Brian puts on a story. I'm like, what are we getting? He's so great. He's so <laughs> it's great. great. So um, before we get to the hangamajigs, which I'm sure you know about, because they are random questions that I like to ask every guest before they leave us. Um, what are you looking forward to in the immediate future? Professionally or personally? Share what, we, share what you can and share what we, you will, please. <laughs> um, I have just done, like, is this for, is this for you, my vlog stuff? <laughs> You can, or you can just be like, I'm going on um, a holiday, or I'm going to see a show. I'm actually you going want. on a holiday. Um, well, a bit of a holiday. I'm going. I'm going to do a, con- a convention, an Outlander convention, to meet some of the amazing Outlander fans in Seattle. Cool. And, oh my god, Seattle! Um, yeah, I know I've never been to Seattle. Um, and then I thought, why not go up to Vancouver? And then. Oh. I'm going to visit some friends in New Orleans and Texas. You are now, hello, you're just showing off now. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to do that next month. Um, and then, yep, yeah, hopefully film on my, my short when I get back. And I just did a film called Kill that will be out at some point, <laughs> which is um, awesome. an incredible film, like all Scottish uh, actors and stuff. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty much, and then just flawed away. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of things in there. <laughs> My claim of fame is that I nearly was an Outlander many moons ago. Oh, here. I mean, it took me four, four editions to get four. Di- I mean, yeah, 
Okay, can, what, <laughs> and it might have been the back of my head. No, no, it was, it it was so funny. I'm telling you, sorry. So I've got a 1940s, 1950s inspired dance troupe, and I got an email one day saying they were looking for 1940s nurses. I mean, oh, this was like yeah. a long time ago. I think it was really just like that, came out. the first season, probably. Yeah. It was the 40s, yeah. So. so I'd never heard of Outlander, right? So I was like, well, right, okay. So I text the girls, like, I usually were like, MD3 for this thing. So then Kelly and the Cupcakes freaked her beans because she had read all the books. She was like, huge oh, fan. Wow. Like, actually had a meltdown. And I was like, what are you going on about? And she was like, oh my God, like, we have to do this. And I was like, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, I thought this was a hoax, this email. And, uh, yeah, the dates didn't work out, and we couldn't do it, and oh, I don't no. think Kelly will ever forgive me. <laughs> oh, God. She's a massive fan, so she'll be chuffed to bits that you're on this podcast, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, go. I've had a, a lot of near misses of Outlander, for sure, so yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I understand. it's just amazing, like, how like huge it is like people just yeah. adore it i mean quite rightly so but like it's just it's a phenomenon yeah america especially it's just like yeah it's 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 wild it's wild it's and see these just well we're talking about it like see these like red carpet things and all that like do you yes. get like um prepped for all that kind of jazz like, <laughs> do they tell you what's happening literally i had no idea i mean i'm sure you know if you're you know if you're one of the, the, the like four leads or whatever i'm sure you get prepped <laughs> i'm sure i was not prepped i was not prepped on like what i had to say what i could say what i couldn't say i was so worried about how i looked like horrendously um debilitating <laughs> it was awful that i did i forgot that anyone would even ask me questions and then obviously you're hurtled in I didn't have a comb. I was like, I'm going to need it because it was so windy that day and it was <laughs> my hair was a mess. And I was like, I'm going to need to just brush my hair really quickly because obviously, you know, if you're if you're big, you've got like a stylist or whatever walking, you know, and fixing you and stuff. I didn't have that. Um, I had my partner who wouldn't even know it's my fringe. So um, <laughs> I was like, um, yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. And that shows. And the other you go, you go, you go up the, um, you go up, I thank God for a Scottish banner. It was just like disguises <laughs> yes. the panic. But um, you go up the carpet and, and things, and then I got a, a increasingly understanding and I got increasingly comfortable. Um, but yeah, the first thing people like thrust, you know, it's just like lights and there's there's pictures of me where they asked me to move on the red carpet when all the big paparazzis are taken. And they're like, Joanne, over here, over here. And it's like, there's a picture of me that's literally like my my hands are out like this and my legs are spread like I'm like part of the Tory government and I'm just like uh uh-huh. and I'm <laughs> and because they just take them all and then they all go online like they just go all online and like um you know these websites whatever and it's just like I, it's, nobody tells you that either <laughs> like try not to look like an idiot because that picture will go up very conveniently the whoever that photographer was spelt my name wrong so and um, those are all under easily. joanne thompson with a p um which is great because like that's not me now you've don't told know who that is bra- bra- brave listenership we're all gonna go and google them now <laughs> yeah they're up there i'll maybe just send you i'll send you a link to just I'll so you, know, you can that. add it to listen the amount of pictures i've been sent of me mid-performance where i'm like why did you think i would want to see that picture thank you so no. much that's when the i'm always like a sharpie dog where i've got like about 14 rolls down my face oh, into my non-existent chin look at that. 
Beautiful. I, I just feel like she's skin on my face. Oh my, me too. And it moves. Why does it move so I much? So much That's why I got a fringe. It's just like hello. Hence why I've got because I've got a huge yeah. forehead. <gasps> me too. That's all the clever people. It's all good. But yeah, I, I guess for you, like there must be situations like that. I mean, maybe not in the moment with that one because the red carpet sounds stressful. But you know, whether you're on set or whether you're like putting on a costume or whether you're like sitting next to somebody who you really admire their work or whatever, and you're just like, like one of those like kind of pinch me moments. You're like, this is my job. This is mental. Yeah, I had I had that when I was in um, when I was doing Pudency. I was in I was in the dressing room about to go on when I found out that I'd won that screenwriting competition that won me the option for my for my pilot. And I was, and given that two years ago my partner was making me that wee flag, and I was working seven years, seven jobs in London, I was like, oh, this is a moment. This is a moment. I'm about to go on one of the best. Yeah, that was incredible. Um, yeah, just incredible. And then it was six months to my next job, and then it's just on we go. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Yeah, like just like listening to you talking and kind of trying to, you know, obviously getting a sense of the kind of person you are, and then having read your cv that's on your website that i'm sure there's that that's just a snapshot of the the things that you have achieved like you're not shouting enough about how talented you are like nominations like the you know the roles that you've played like like i say the skill set to go from theater to tv to writing to directing like not everybody can do that then all the stuff that you know industry and life realness on top of that, like, I, I, I keep saying it, but I just really admire you and what you're doing. Can you just, like, awesome. come around with me, like, in my pocket, and I, can I bring you out in meetings and auditions? Well, I could carry the like, comb, see? I could be on this red carpet with you, and I could just fix your fringe. Do you know what I mean? Please. Like, I could be your own anymore. I'd love Please. that. Please, it, it takes a fringe owner. It takes one to know one, you know. It really does. <laughs> she says fixing. Joanne Thompson, you are a joy. So I'm going to take you to the hangamajigs because I'm going to let you go and have a life after this because I've held you hostage for a wee bit too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't pick these in advance. So you're staying there and I was like, let's be wild. Let's just oh, pick them okay. in the moment. So I've just, I've like spun the wheel. I feel like I've got like 70 odd mm-hmm. of them. And the first one I looked at, so I'm just going to ask you, is what does the world need more of? empathy which I've already sort of spoken about but just the capacity to even lightly consider (laughs) the person opposite you and not um don't vote on your own self-interests vote for if you were in ended up in which can happen to anyone at any moment um you've got no idea what the future holds just like just make choices based on doing what's good for the person next to you and not yourself. Random one, favourite mm-hmm. childhood meal? Um, Maybe my dad's, well, I now call it chicken a la joe and now I'm not really eating chicken. It's <laughs> corn a la joe. Fair but enough. it's like, it was chicken or a chicken alternative. Um, uh, Campbell's mushroom soup, which is was my dad's staple in every meal. Um, <laughs> the condensed mushroom soup, which is the base of all um yeah all sauces uh curry powder oh. chopped up broccoli oh. put it in a put it in a bacon dish crush up cheese and onion crisps and and scatter that all on top then cheese and then serve it with rice oh, oh my word it's so good it's so good. that's it it's technically chicken a la fran because my mom's friend fran gave the recipe to joe and i call it because my dad's name is joe so 
chicken audio. If I ever make a broad brave cookbook, it's going in there. Yeah, and I'm not a cook, so it's very, it's quite simple. I thought it was complicated. Now, 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 I've, I've met people that can cook better than me. I'm like, oh, that's cooking. I understand. You make the Campbell's mushroom soup out of actual mushrooms, which you chop. Oh, guys, too much work for me. Aye, loving this. Um, here's one. I mean, I don't know if you'd have any time for it. Um, if you knew you could not fail, what would you do? If I knew I couldn't fail, I'd, I'd. Maybe I would, I mean, immediately I'm like, you'd fail. So I can't even like get the words out of my mouth. I guess do like a sort of, the, 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 Cole, Phoebe Waller-Bridge scenario of like making the hang, casting your cell on the hang, half directing the hang, producing the hang, that, but immediately I'm like, don't stop, like, stop, don't do it. No. <laughs> no here, please. That, but I just, I, I, I've had so much rejection that I'm like, other people would do that better. But um, I guess that would be the ultimate. I'm out with my flag going, you can do it. <laughs> Everybody needs to have a flag for me. <laughs> just... Get them out, wave your flags. They come back at you going, remember that wee thing you said in that podcast once? Um, best ever song lyric? Oh, best ever song. Um, okay, the thing that. Okay, um, funnily enough, my favourite song of all time is Bo- is Holocene by Bonnie Vere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're my favourite band, except their lyrics are a lot of a lot quite a lot of I mean they're beautiful but they but they're hard to remember um I, I do love and at once I knew I was not magnificent <laughs> which sounds very self-deprecating but um I always listen to it I'm traveling it's like my plain song and like when you're looking out over the um like snow-capped mountains just like for miles and miles and miles and then you're like, oh, I'm very small, and like actually, I'm just a sort of small thing. Like, what if I did try that thing? Like, what's the worst that can happen? I think it says that. Love it. it. You can do this game. <laughs> um, uh, two more. Can you handle it? Mm-hmm, I can handle it. What was your <laughs> lockdown saviour, or who? I can. I was in actually in LA when when COVID happened, so that was a whirlwind with Donald Trump literally telling me Ooh. what to do on my on my TV. It was wild. And um, swiftly left and came back to at that time London. And my lockdown saviour was the fact that I was living with a wonderful flatmate called Bex and my partner and and her partner and the four of us would just like. It was just so love. I was very, very lucky. I was in a lovely group of four people for like a month of like the height, the very first height of lockdown, um, like the pan, the pan banging, clapping era, and that was just lovely. And I remember having a big breakdown in the middle of of, of a road because we decided that um, every night we would all take turns to cook, and they all cook, and 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 I, it's just my fear. It's my fear. I don't know why I've got a fear of it. Um, and I had a breakdown when I was on the way to the shops to my partner. I was like, I don't want well, people don't like it. <laughs> like, what a family disappointment. <laughs> um, but what was really lovely was three nights I would have my dinner like cooked for me and it would always be really lovely. So that, 
and we we like put movies in a bowl and we would um we took them out. Oh, and so I, and I remember these like lockdown like shenanigans like I'm like I really did it wrong like not that I wanted to come back and drink and try again but mm. the amount of people have told me like we did this we went tours around the world and we watched like and we ate the food from the place where we were watching it and I'm like and then it was just the, films it, in it I'm like that's so creative well done it was just the gift of time like and and I had gone from although I was in LA for a few months before that was the seven seven job London scenario so I was just yes. like oh my god like I can do a writing course I can do I can buy a mic I can try and see if I can do voiceovers it was just like I, I mean you know as horrendous as it was and still is like it's, it's not oh, over yes, of course you yeah. know for it was just making the best and I and I met so many online I start like helped start up this um global women in film film club and like with my BAFTA cohort like started like a writer's group and that was essentially what got me writing and like it was just it was the gift of time that's so cool and the last question that I ask everybody Mm -hmm. because it's called the bra and the brave is what is your favorite Scots word or phrase oakster yes I love the word oakster Love I remember it. doing a show and there was some sort of move that I was giving to the cast and we called it Oakster Magic and so when Oakster I hear Oakster the word <laughs> I always hear Great. Oakster I always hear the word magic. Yeah. Well, you have been Oakster Magic for sure. <laughs> this has just been Thank a you. joy from Saturday. <laughs> That's finish. the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me. <laughs> I'm always trying to tie it up my bow. Sometimes I'm like, Oh, you've failed miserably at least a bit. Good Oakster try, magic. good try. Can't get any better than that. <laughs> Oakster's such a great word, though. I, I think somebody <sighs> said it once before, but uh, on the podcast, but it was a long time ago. It's not been said in a while, so I appreciate you saying okay. that. It's, it's back on my top ten of favourites. <laughs> so well done, <laughs> Joanne Thompson. Thank you so much. You are indeed brought and brave, and I just wish you all the luck and all the joy moving forward. Whatever you do next, you too. I'm a way to greet. <laughs> Don't greet and revel in my Oakster magic. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Bra and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.